For the purpose of this podcast, I'm going to consolidate uh, this five-part series into two parts. The first and second part will be on the first uh, podcast, and the uh, third, fourth, and fifth will be on the second podcast. Here's a summary of the first two that we'll cover in this podcast. In Samson's Secret Part 1, I make the case that Samson was prophesied by Joshua. Samson's father, Manoah, is kept out of the loop by his wife and the angel. And I list many parallels between Samson's story and the Messiah. In Part 2, I make the case that Samson doesn't want to be known for his strength, but rather his wit. Samson attempts to increase his social status by marrying into the ruling class and tries to monetize his, quote, companions in a 30-to-1-odd bet. I also make the case that Goliath may have had Samson in mind when he challenged Israel to send out one man. Where is your Samson now, he might have asked. Joshua's prophecy, the angel's message, from Baron to Bering Brothers. Samson may be the most interesting person in the Old Testament. Certainly his story is. Yet much of what fascinates me has never been highlighted when I've heard the story. Possibly the least interesting thing about him, to me, was his physical strength. Take that away and you might think there would be no story left, but you'd be wrong. How many individuals in the Bible were specifically prophesied by anyone, let alone the second great leader of the Hebrew people? Joshua. Samson was. How many were foretold personally by an angel with specific instructions? Samson was. How many people single-handedly devastated the Philistine economy, bringing the foreign threat to its knees? Samson did, without anyone's help and furthermore, without using his supernatural strength. Did you know Samson didn't want to be known by his supernatural physical strength? What did Samson want to be known for? I'll show you, as I reveal this story in this series like you've never heard it before. Joshua's Prophecy As Joshua saw the end of his days approaching, he called Israel together in an assembly and gave a speech. You can find this speech in Joshua chapter 23. It is in this speech that Joshua tells the people of Israel that one day there will be, quote, one man of you who will chase a thousand. That prophecy came to pass with Samson. Samson did chase and indeed kill one thousand, as it is recorded in Judges. He is the only one who qualifies for this prophecy. Quote, One man of you shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God, he it is that fighteth for you as he hath promised you. Joshua 23, verse 10. From Baron to Bering Brothers. Judges 13, 1 through 7. The first thing we find out about Samson's mother was that she was barren and had no children. This is quite a messy reality that shows up many times in Scripture. The first command of the Creator found in Genesis 1, 28 is to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. It is a command, or at least an expressed encouragement of will and purpose, yet so many women are not able to bring new life to full term. This can be frustrating to many women with this affliction. It is very clear that the Creator's will is to be fruitful and multiply. Quote, why am I not able to do His will, one might ask. 
Notice the specific wording. Quote, you are barren and not have born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Conception is only the beginning in a series of processes that are necessary to bring new life to full term. It doesn't say, quote, you have not conceived, though perhaps this may be implied in you are barren. It may be that there were conceptions and miscarriages along the way. Mrs. Danites could have the peace of mind that she would not have to worry about infertility or a miscarriage in the future. In fact, Manoah's wife goes on to give birth to at least two more sons. See Judges 16.31. The quote, man and Manoah. Judges 13.8-18. The first thing Manoah did after hearing from his wife was to pray that the quote, man of God return and teach them what they are to do with the child to be born. This is curious to me. Mrs. Danites just told him what they were to do with the child when it was born. She did leave out the mission of, quote, he shall begin to save Israel, and that there should be no razor on his head. Since she relayed that he was to be a Nazarite, the omission of the razor would have been known to anyone who knew and reviewed the Nazarite vow recorded in number 6. I'm not sure how accessible the instructions and numbers were to them, but I'd be surprised if it weren't, wasn't un obtainable. Did Manoah not trust his wife? Did he not trust her judgment or trust her integrity? If he didn't, did he have good reason, as the text shows she left out some details? Was she prone to forgetting things, or did she just like to keep secrets? If so... This may be where Samson inherits his propensity to keep secrets. The angel was sent back specifically to the woman, and she was not with Manoah. Upon the angel's arrival, she runs to tell her husband. She specifically tells him that the same man who came to her the other day returned. But what does Manoah ask when he meets that man? Are you the man who spoke to this woman? Why doesn't Manoah trust his wife? Was she prone to exaggeration? She did tell him in verse 6 that his appearance was very awesome, like an angel. Obviously, this was not the case, at least in the second appearance. Otherwise, it would be obvious to him, wouldn't it? Manoah didn't just want to verify what his wife said. He wanted more detail. He asked the angel, quote, how should we guide him through life? What will be his mission? The angel does not satisfy his question, but instead summarizes what he told the woman and refers back to her. It's interesting that her name isn't even recorded, yet she is the one the angel is sent to twice, and she is the one entrusted with the message. Manoah keeps trying to get more information from the messenger, but to no avail. It seems that the messenger doesn't want to talk to Manoah. He wouldn't even tell him his name. Samson inherits some of his father's curiosity, as we'll see later. The Voice of Reason, Judges 13, 18 through 25. Manoah makes an offering to Yahweh, and when the flame was high, the angel jumped into the flame and ascended toward the sky. No doubt this would be a shocking experience. 
every one of us would be in shock and question our understanding of reality. When Noah is so shocked, he becomes irrational. Quote, We're going to die now because we've seen Elohim. Now Mrs. Danites had told him that the man of Elohim, as she remembered, appeared to be like an angel of Elohim, very terrible. He wasn't worried that she was going to die. Now it seems he must have gone from not believing her apparently accurate understanding of what happened to thinking they must have been visited by the Most High himself. Manoah must have heard about the story of Exodus 33.20 where Yahweh tells Moses that no man can see his face and live. This is when Moses asked to see his glory. There was a version of the Most High that dwelt with them from time to time from whom Moses spoke face to face. Obviously, if they had seen the angel of Yahweh as Moses had, they had not seen the glory which no man can see and live. Mrs. Danites replies to his panicked misrepresentation of Moses' encounter with reason. If Yahweh wanted to kill us, why would he tell us we were to have a son and give specific instructions as to his life and receive an offering from us? Good point, lady. We know who the smart one is in this marriage and where Samson inherited his intelligence. Types and Shadows of a Savior There are some extraordinary similarities between Samson and the New Testament's Messiah. Both were prophesied of prior to their birth. Both mothers were visited by an angel. Both fathers questioned the authenticity of the angel visitation. Both fathers were given supernatural assurance. Both were firstborn. Both were destined to save their people. Both had supernatural abilities. Both had brides who were not Jewish. Both were betrayed by their own people and given to a foreign authority. Both defied death. Both were knowingly betrayed by a close loved one for silver. Both were blinded. Messiah was blindfolded after their arrest and mocked. Both were martyrs who vanquished the enemy with their voluntary death. Part 2. A poetic parable, a Philistine plot, and a big bold bet, 30 to 1 odds. Judges 14. Why was Samson visiting the Philistines? Perhaps he was purposefully looking for a Philistine wife. Would marrying into the ruling class elevate his status? One thing we do know is that Samson considers himself of equal status to the Philistines, as we'll see later. Arranged marriages were still in vogue, but Samson wasn't going to be on the passive end of this tradition. I saw a woman in Timnah. Now make her my wife, he commands his father. With a sense of disdain, his father asks why he can't find a woman uh, of the Hebrews. Get her for me, one might imagine, Samson yelling. She's the right one for me. The story then zooms out to reveal the bigger picture. The Lord was behind this motivation to start a conflict with the Philistines. It specifically says that Manoah didn't know it was from the Lord. Manoah's ignorance wasn't for a lack of trying. His wife didn't tell him, and he tried to 
pretty hard to get the information from the, that angel. Perhaps this confusion would have been avoided if the angel would have told Manoah what to expect. It still puzzles me how reluctant the angel was towards Manoah's curiosity. A taboo Tristan Timna. Was it adrenaline? Samson might have wondered. Is my Nazarite vow broken because I've encountered death? He might have asked himself. In self-defense, Samson effortlessly tore the pouncing lion to pieces. Was the lion sent from the Lord to give Samson his first insight of his gift? The story says that the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. Yet in his mind, perhaps he thought his strength was activated by self-preservation. Samson keeps this event a secret, but it remains on his mind. Why did Samson turn aside to see the carcass? What was he looking for? Did it all seem surreal and he wanted to reassure himself that what happened was real? Furthermore, why would anyone approach a fly-infested carcass and put his hand into it? Maybe honey was a rare treat and he couldn't resist. At his own wedding, Samson makes a bet with the 30, quote, companions with him. He would provide each one of them with a suit if they could solve his riddle. But if they couldn't, each one of them would provide him with a suit. Imagine today, even if each suit was only $100, that would be $3,000. Samson didn't have that, as we find out later, or he, at least he didn't want to pay it from his own account. He was sure that he was going to win that bet. Quote, Out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. Samson underestimated the moral depravity of the Philistines. It isn't clear if he ever found out that they threatened to burn her and her family to death. Was it that they didn't have enough to make good on their bet either? Was it that they wouldn't be humiliated by a lower-class citizen like a Hebrew? If she only knew Samson's secret, she might not have been so fearful and may not have kept the conspiracy a secret from him. The sad irony is, despite her efforts, she and her father's house ultimately end up killed in an arson later in the story. Quote, I have told my father and mother, and shall I tell you? Samson argued to his wife. I'm not sure this helped to make her feel very special. It sounds by implication that his father and mother were more important than she was, and therefore she shouldn't be privileged with the answer either. What a tragic honeymoon. She wept before him seven days until the very end of the feast. Finally, he told her the riddle and she told her people. Samson left in a rage and killed 30 men from Ashkelon, just for those clothes. Ashkelon is a place where a festival was likely to be taking place. This may be why he went so far away. Another reason would be to evade suspicion of murder. Was anger another activation for his superpower? Was Fear the activation previously? Was this superpower a force at his disposal? 
Samson's next move would ultimately bet his life on his superpower. Bonus, the legend continued. It's very likely that Samson was on the mind of Goliath as Goliath called to the Israelites, quote, choose you a man and let him come to fight me. In other words, hey Israel, where's your Samson now? If you can't win the game, change the rules. Malcolm Gladwell makes this point in his book. David and Goliath, underdogs, misfits, and the art of battling giants. Goliath couldn't be matched in strength, but he could be beat with speed. David found Goliath's one weakness and exploited it with his own strength. So could Samson have beaten Goliath? How many men had Goliath beaten? He was a champion, after all. Yet if we could take on a thousand men like Samson, why would he make a lesser request and ask for only one? I'm not sure Samson would have taken the fight. They would have had to provoke him personally. Samson was, believe it or not, reluctant for war. Otherwise, why would he have ever stopped until he finished off the Philistines? Yet if you forced Samson into a corner, and he had to fight Goliath, Goliath didn't stand a chance. Samson would have chopped the legs right out from underneath that giant. Then he might tear what was left into pieces. In the next podcast, I'll cover part three, four, and five in the Samson's Secret series. In part three, I show how when his schemes backfire and escalate into national war, Samson has no choice but to reluctantly revert to his supernatural power. Though he appeals to justice, saying, quote, as they have done to me, I have done to them, unquote, I point out the dishonesty in his accounting. In part four, I point out Samson's mental health decline as he becomes increasingly reckless and even suicidal. Yet even in his last revenge, Samson executes a masterful plan that includes four factors of timing, two factors regarding location, one divine appeal, and every last ounce of his strength. In part five, I make the case that Samson had a son with Delilah, Several facts in the story that follow within the next two chapters support this assertion. We may never know for sure, but you decide whether the case is a good one. Did Delilah become with child by Samson? Was Micah Samson's final secret?